Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I am so glad to have you with us today. Hey, I have a really fun announcement to make, something I've been waiting a really long time to say, and that is that my new book, Goodness Culture, is going to start shipping this week. So... That means if you are listening to the podcast in real time and you have pre-ordered the book, uh, it will be coming to you in the next few days. I am so, so excited to have this, uh, you know, creation process come to an end and be able to get this word from the Lord into your hands. If you haven't bought a copy of the book yet, uh, that's okay. There's still plenty of time. You can buy it exclusively at rachelwortman.com. That's www.rachelwortman.com. And you might be saying, Rachel, we get it. You've been talking about this book almost every week on the podcast. And I would say to you, I know. And, you know, sorry, not sorry. I'm kind of just getting started. I really want as many people as possible to read this book. And I'm really excited about it. Um, One last thing I want to mention before we dive into today's content, and that is about our email newsletter. So, Uh, The way that my ministry works is I have a lot of free resources available to you and then some paid resources as well. And this podcast is one of the free resources that's available to you. And so is my email newsletter. So what that means is that uh, I want to meet you in your inbox. And look, between you and me, I don't like emails either. Um, And so, you know, the reason why I'm doing this specifically, really the only reason is because the social media algorithms are so frustrating. It's so hard for people who follow my pages and want to see the content that I put out to actually see the content because of just the algorithms and the way that the you know oligarchs of social media want it to run. How do we get around that? Well, straight to email, you know? So uh, I'm creating content specifically like I would for social media, but sending it to your inbox. Um, So I'd love for you to meet me there. If you have not signed up for the email newsletter, you can do that a couple of ways. Private message me or DM me your email address. You can send me an email, rachelwortman.com, rachel at rachelwortman.com. Or you can go to my website and right there on the homepage, there is a sign up for the newsletter thing and you can do it that way. However you do it, I don't really care. I just hope that you do. All right, enough about announcements and housekeeping stuff. Let's dive into today's episode. And I'm kind of excited to share this with you guys. This is not something that we've talked about a lot, but it is something that has really radically shaped my life. Today we're talking about your biggest battle. What is it? How do you know if it's ahead of you or behind you? And why does that matter? Well, let me start with that question. Why does it matter whether or not you know your biggest battle uh, has already happened or has not happened yet? Here's why. All of your life is going to change when you hit that moment in time. And so it's helpful to know whether or not you've hit that moment yet. We're going to dive into the specifics about that in just a little bit. But on the front end, I want to say that uh, here's where we got this idea. We were sitting and having lunch with uh, a hero of ours, a really 
um, this amazing spiritual giant in the earth and in this nation. And we were asking him, I believe he was in his early 60s at the time, and we were asking him, hey, look, if you were planting a church today, uh, you know, what would you do? How would you plant it? What would you, you know, what would you do? What would you not do? And man, the wisdom that came out of this conversation just was so shaping. But here's one of the things that really struck me. He said, here's what I would do. Number one, I would make sure that I know for everybody on my team. So everybody on my staff, on my leadership team, I want to know is their biggest battle ahead of them or is it still behind them? Is it already behind them? Is their biggest battle ahead of them? I want to know that. I began to ask him, well, what, what is the biggest battle, you know, and, and why does that matter? And what he began to unpack was so rich. It was so deep. And this is essentially the idea. When we all come to this place where we find ourselves in the biggest battle of our spiritual life, the way that we need support is very different. And that battle will, you know, go on to really define us in a lot of ways. So it's important to know whether or not it's coming for the people around us. Why does that matter? Well, if you're in leadership, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, You know, you're going to be a better leader when you know what's going on in your people's lives. But even if you are just serving on a team, when you know this about yourself, then when this day comes, you know that you can persevere. So let's dive in and talk about what the battle actually is. Well, let me say it to you this way. Every disciple in the Bible Every person in the Bible who became a disciple of Jesus had to come to the end of themselves. And in the same way, you and I have to come to the end of ourselves. There's no way around this. Let me say it another way. One way or another, we will all be asked to lay down our nets and pick up the cross. Every single person in the Bible had this moment where they not only believed that Jesus Christ was the son of God, that he was, you know, his salvation, uh, his, his, his sacrifice on the cross is becoming the salvation, you know, payment. Oh my goodness. I'm not saying this clearly, but you know what I'm saying? Um, so they had this moment of belief, but then there was this moment of surrender where Jesus became not just their savior, but also their Lord. See, this is the difference between a follower and a disciple, right? A follower might be saved and sort of pays attention to Jesus when it's convenient to them. But a disciple says, your way becomes my way, no matter what your way becomes my way at all costs. And that is what Jesus is looking for. So in his wisdom, in his, you know, majesty, in his creativity, he orchestrates these moments for us where we have to come face to face with where we're at in the Lordship journey. So let me tell you about what happened with me after having this conversation with this person who is a prophet. And, you know, one of the ways you can know you've been with a prophet is that things begin to change in your life after uh, you've been ministered to by them. And so... This is what happened to me. Uh, My life about six months later changed radically. I actually wrote about this in my first book. You'll get out of it when you learn to love it. And in that story, what happened was I discovered that my biggest battle was actually not behind me. Now, if you had asked me, you know, at that point in my life, do you think you fought your biggest battle? I would have said, heck yes, I've fought so many battles. I've been through so many difficult things. I've, you know, overcome so many things in my life. But my biggest battle and your biggest battle is going to be when God doesn't do the thing you think he's supposed to do and you have to choose what you believe in that moment. 
it comes to us in lots of different ways. For me, it came in the form of, of a real breaking point. And, uh, you know, as the story goes, in about September of 2012, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, I want you to camp out in Psalm 18. I just, I only want you to read Psalm 18. Don't read anything else. I thought it was pretty strange, but I was obedient. Psalm 18 is basically the story of David being delivered from death and crying out to the Lord and God delivering him and putting him in this really broad place. I didn't know at the time that I was carrying a baby that was about to die. And um, so as that all unfolded, Psalm 18 became this, this place of comfort, but also frustration for me. Because in the middle of this pregnancy, this the one that I lost at 20 weeks, I um, discovered that I had this tumor on my thyroid that they thought might be cancer. And so I was in this just medical chaos, right? Just months of testing and questions. And in the middle of this, you know, we lost the baby and had to go through a stillbirth and all the things related to that and biopsies. And it, it just was a mess, a total mess. And as we were coming through this place, I was reading Psalm 18. And I remember one day specifically, I was reading, I believe it's verse 19. And it says this, you delivered me because you delighted in me. You delivered me because you delighted in me. And in that moment, I realized, I don't know if God delights in me. Now, here's the truth. I would have said to you, God delights in me. I would have said to, you know, to you, God delights in you. You are so important to him. And I would believe that from a knowledge place. But when my life was on the line, when my deliverance of these circumstances was on the line, I had to realize, do I believe this or not? Do I believe this in a way that will propel me forward? And to be completely honest, I discovered that I didn't. I didn't. I actually shut my Bible that day. I wanted to throw it across the room. I didn't, uh, but I wanted to. And I just lamented to the Lord. I said, I don't know if you delight in me. Like I know in my mind, right? I know because people have told me, but I don't know in my spirit. I don't know in my soul. And when everything is struggling like it is right now, how do I trust that you will come through? That question, that sentiment, I believe is at the heart of the biggest battle. At the heart of the biggest battle that we face is when we have to discover who we actually believe God to be. Not who we think God is, but what we actually believe about God. I don't know how God will orchestrate this for you. I don't think it comes relationally. I want to be clear about that. Sometimes, you know, we have situations where there's like a betrayal from a trusted friend or family member or some sort of relational conflict. And we can say that was my biggest battle. I don't think it's usually relational. I think it's relational between you and God. And you may have experienced this a long time ago, or you may have yet to experience it. But how do you know? Because everything changes afterwards. Everything is different afterwards. For you, what you'll discover is when you're coming on the other side of that, you know things you didn't know before. You feel them on a deeper level. You have a confidence that wasn't there before. Now, just because you've had your biggest battle doesn't mean you're exempt from future battles. I've been through an incredible amount of difficult things after that particular moment. But you know what? It was different. It was different. On the front end of the biggest battle, I was battling before God, not really sure of what God thought or where he was positioned around me. But afterwards, and every situation I've been through since, 
I battle it knowing I'm in the presence of the Holy Spirit, knowing I'm united with Christ, knowing that he is for me and he's with me and not just knowing it in my mind, but knowing it, feeling it, believing it, letting it shape me. And that's the difference. So, so why does it matter if you know this about the people on your team or the people in your family or whatnot? Why does it matter? Well, because when somebody goes through this kind of a battle, it is soul sucking. It is so challenging. It's earth shattering. And it's really, really hard to navigate your relationships, especially your spiritual relationships, because, you know, your life is going through a a metamorphosis. You are the, the caterpillar in the cocoon and everything you knew is dying and something beautiful is being formed, but it's not being formed at a very quick pace. So when you know this about the people on your team, when they begin to go through this process, you can support them better. You can champion them. You can encourage them. You know, you can remind them, don't give up. This is going to produce something really good. Don't back down. Don't quit because you have to press through. Every person in the New Testament that we respect and admire went through this exact same process. You know, I'm reminded of the rich young ruler, right? He comes to Jesus and Jesus says, here's the end of yourself. Give away everything you have. He doesn't do it. I'm thinking about the the guy who comes and says, I want to follow you, but first let me bury my father who, you know, they believe wasn't even dead yet. And Jesus is like, no, look, you know, you got it. This is what it takes to follow me. You're going to have to endure this kind of loss. Every single person, Paul, Peter, James and John, Lydia, Phoebe, you know, we could go down the list, Priscilla, Aquila, every single one had to come to a place where they had to let what they knew about their life go. And in exchange, through that dying to themselves process, they come on the other side with something substantial. First Peter calls it like, like worth its weight in gold. It's beautiful. It's holy. It's important. And you can't get it without going through this battle. So what do you do if you're listening to this and you're saying, you know what, I don't think I've crossed this finish line yet. I don't think I've had this battle in my life. Well, I don't mean to say this in an ominous way. I just mean to encourage you when I say, brace yourself, get ready for it. It's going to come at some point and and it's okay to be thankful for it, right? Because if you can endure, if you can stand up in the midst of it, if you can press forward towards the Holy Spirit, you will discover something you never thought was possible. What a beautiful thing. What a powerful thing. When you go through this kind of a crisis of a faith, uh, it, it shapes you and it changes you. And so if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I've, you know, if I could identify with those words, then be at peace. You probably haven't gone through that yet. When I was a a kid, when I was a teenager, actually, I used to really love reading stories of martyrs, you know, Fox's Book of Martyrs or the, the DC Talk Jesus Freaks book. And I would read these stories of these people who, you know, facing certain death never wavered in their faith. And to be honest, sometimes I would read those stories and I would think, you know, they should have just said, no, 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 I'm not a Christian, you know, so they could live and then they could continue practicing basically to lie to these persecutors. Why Why don't they just lie? And in my brain at that time, I couldn't understand why you would, you know, not preserve your life in that way. What's the big deal? 
But when I came through what was the biggest battle of my life, I, I understood in a different way. I understood that it's not a matter of, you know, escaping the challenges of this world uh, in, at any means possible, right? By using lying or dishonesty um, to do that, it's like you cannot forsake what is the most true thing in your life. I'm, I'm married. I've been married for almost 18 years. And, you know, I can't think of a setting where somebody could convince me to say I'm not married, you know, or to pretend like for this moment that I'm not married because it's not true. I love my husband. He's a part of me. My life is completely intertwined with him. And I can't think of a certain, you know, any situation that would feel reasonable for me to pretend that the impact he's had on my life has not been completely earth shattering in the most positive way. It's the same with Jesus. We don't want to forsake him because he's the truest, most real, most incredible part of our life. For a lot of us, we've never felt that. We don't know how to connect with that because we haven't made it through this battle. And I want to say to you, it is so, so worth it. I think when we get to heaven, we'll find that not a single martyr regrets what they did. Not a single martyr thinks that they should have been dishonest in that moment to preserve their life. Why? Because they're with Jesus, right? They're with Jesus. All, um, let me say this again. All disciples, every single one of us, are going to have to come to the end of ourselves more than once, let's be honest, but at least once. And in that place, one way or another, we will all have to lay down our nets. We'll all have to lay down what we know to be true to pick up the cross. And as we allow the cross to splinter us, to, to shape us, to challenge us, to have its weight pressed against our back and the pressure that it sometimes brings, in that place, wow, are we transformed into something glorious. So I guess I would just end today by asking you this question. Is your biggest battle ahead of you or behind you? If it's behind you, I want to encourage you to make it count for something. You know, you're going to go through hard times. Life throws us curveballs sometimes, right? But if we anchor ourselves to what we know to be true, we will move from glory to glory to glory. And although we might face really difficult things, we face it knowing that we're hand in hand with our Savior knowing that he's with us, that he's in it with us, that he's working it out somehow for our good. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, wow, I don't think I've crossed that line yet. I don't think I've, I've had that biggest battle. Then I just want to encourage you. You have what it takes to get through it because you have Jesus with you. If I could just end by sharing what happened in my particular story I ended up having a, a surgery. I, the biopsy came back negative, which was great, but they weren't convinced. And so I had a surgery and had part of my thyroid removed. After the surgery, I ended up with a super rare infection and um, I apparently was dying. And I was very close to being septic. Um, I think they were, you know, pretty sure in the next day or two, certainly that week, I would be septic from this infection that I had that I didn't know that I had. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit in- intervened by pretty much giving a word of knowledge to one of the, the residents on the surgical team that I had. And I had had the surgery in a different state since story for another time. And um, he called and he knew something was wrong. And I know it was the Holy Spirit. And he said, look, I need you to get here tomorrow. Something is wrong. I don't know what it is, but I need to, to look at your wound, you know. So we drove uh, eight hours up there and, uh, you know, set in the, the operating, uh, the, excuse me, the, the pre-op room, the exam room for the doctor to look at it. And I was so weak. I was so tired. I was so sick that every step that I took to go down this little hallway, just, you know, four exam rooms down, every step was so painful. Every step was so exhausting. And I was just running over and over in my mind, you deliver me because you delight in me. But see, the thing is, at that point, some, you know, five, six months later, I actually believed it. I actually knew it. I sat in the exam room in the little chair on the side, mostly hunched over. I couldn't hardly hold my own head up. I was in so much pain. I was so tired. And I was just reading over and over again, you deliver me because you delight in me. In one of the hardest moments of my life, those words had become life itself to me. I went back to the operating room having no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know, is this the end? Is this where I meet Jesus? Is this how I get delivered? And it was a really difficult healing process. It was a really difficult thing to go through. But man, am I glad that I did. I would go back and do it in a heartbeat again. Because I began the process in September of 2012, reading this phrase in a book called Kisses from a Good God. The phrase is this, Lord, I know you're a healer, even if you don't heal me. And I would read it with this twinge of pain in my heart. I wish this wasn't true. I wish so badly this wasn't true. Several months later, as I'm sitting in that exam room and I'm reading Psalm 18, 19 again, you know, for the hundredth, fiftieth time, however many times it was, I knew it was true. I knew that I knew that I knew in the depths of my soul that it was the most true statement that could ever be. I know you're a healer, God, even if you don't heal me. I know you are delivering me because you delight in me. I don't understand why you delight in me, but I know that you do. And friends, I want to wrap up today by just encouraging you. God truly delights in you, not just on an intellectual or a theological level, but on a felt soul and spirit level. You are the delight of God. And every battle that you face, he will bring you through. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.